This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. I was in the suburbs, and there was not really that many good all-ages options in the city. So when I was really just, you know, still a teenager and stuff, um, we actually had local venues. Like, I would be going to shows at, like, VFW Halls and Elks Lodges. And there was, and was that, like, punk me. stuff? Was that punk stuff? Was that hardcore? Was that everything? It was, like, punk, post-hardcore, hardcore, emo. You know, like that, you know how that whole world is really just kind of one for a lot of it? It was like that. You know, like, there, I would go to shows. And there'd be like a band like Taking Back Sunday play after a band like Blink 82, and then like a death metal band, you know, because it was just all local stuff a lot of the times. And like bigger stuff came through too, actually. Like this little tiny venue we had, um, we had like As Tall as Lions came through once when I was in middle school or high school, um, I think high school. And like, you know, at the time, that, like, felt really big, you know, like, seeing them in, like, this tiny little local bar that was matinees on Sundays. Um, nice. Yeah, and then, I guess from that, were you, did you, did you start writing um, early on, or was it something later that you sort of really loved or kind of gotten a, 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 something into? It came later. I was, um, I was actually playing for most of my younger life. And that was always sort of my dream, you know, is like to make it playing. Um, and then I went to college for music, um, and it was there when like I needed to get like an internship, and that's when I started. I just got one writing, and I was like, I'll try it, see if it's cool. And it just like immediately clicked for me. I was like, I think, like you know, I might be better at this than I am at writing songs, you know, and like so. And then I mean, all I do just talk about music with my friends and so it was like I guess if I just do this on the internet and I can actually do that for my whole life that's pretty cool yeah and then when did you I mean when I'm sure you like like myself were into a bunch of different genres and stuff what when what kind of hit you with emo what, what did you kind of love about it um I guess with emo it was really I mean it, there are two things probably I mean one being the lyrics you know, and like 
how with emo bands, I definitely felt like those those are the bands where you get all the quotes where you're just like, oh man, I totally relate to that. You know, like like I love all kinds of music, but you're not gonna get that kind of quote from like like a Bob Dylan song. You know, like his lyrics are awesome, but like they're not gonna like relate to your life on that like really personal level. You know, like where you're just like, wow, they totally get me, and like this line is what I'm feeling, which to me just kind of always hit the hardest. Um, and it was that, and it was also just always the way that emo could be like really aggressive. You know, like when I like go to a show now, like like if I see a band like Touche Amore now, like I feel like I'm a teenager again. You know, you like you scream all the words, you like rush the stage. It's got that like huge aggression, but it's like not super macho. You know, it's got like that sensitivity to it. With, uh, you know, I guess I want to get into sort of, I love you had told me that story about how you kind of got the job and um, at, at Brooklyn Vegan. Was that was that your first in- internship? Actually, no. Um, and I was, was reading your blog uh, the other day. Like, I looked like at every single post. I went all the way back to 07. Um, so you're going to hate what my first internship was. It was actually for crush management. <laughs> Um, I, I'm actually, I, I know a bunch of people over there. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I did that. I had, like, my mom knew someone there. She's an accountant. And she was like, you should just do it. It's music. And I was like, but it's not the kind of music that I like. You know, and she was, like, not understanding that. And she was like, you should do it anyway. So I what did it years was months. it? Oh, man. 2009 or something. Um... And, you know, they had me there for like two months doing almost nothing. I don't even think that they fully wanted to hire me. <laughs> um, so I guess even as an intern. So I just kind of like left one day and then I got in contact with Brooklyn Vegan like immediately after and just sort of happened so quick. Like it just worked out. And I was like, as soon as I started there, I was like, wow, this is, this is great. So it was really my second one. But the first one that I actually, you know, got to dive into and do more than grunt work for. Yeah, I mean, and then you know, you're you're sort of doing a lot for them. And what's the what's the vibe there? Is it is it is it still like we want to take over the world, or is it just very we're going to do our thing and we're happy and? Definitely a lot more the second one. There's definitely no world taking over um, feeling. That's great. I mean, you guys are kind of in a in a place where uh, you're in a good spot. It's not like you're small. It's not like you're big. You're sort of, and that's not a bad place to be. Um, and you're kind of getting to do your own thing, and you're not having other owners and people telling you to cover things or you have to deal with things. You're, it is sort of, you're not going to know what you're going to get when you're opening it up. Yeah, no, that is that was definitely great about it. I mean, it's still independently owned and operated. Um, and that is really a huge benefit, I think, because, you know, it's like, it's so easy to just not be able to be that at this point, especially with so many competing websites. What are your thoughts sort of about this last two years where people are just always talking about the emo revival or emo in general, when no one was five years ago? <laughs> and, and, and when you say that, you mean like the non-punk websites, right? Like, you mean like, like Pitchfork and Stereo Gum and NPR and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I only think that all of that coverage is awesome. The time that those websites weren't talking about these bands, I think, was a really unfair period 
I think they were getting ignored kind of because of the stigma of the genre name emo. Yeah, I agree. I think that they weren't they weren't kind of there was such a stigma to it and then it got it kind of got cool and I'm I'm in the same way. I I love it. I love that these bands are getting bigger. They're writing better records, they're be- writing better songs and people are you know, they're listening to it but then they're also liking it. They're not just sort of playing it off or not playing it because of the name associated with it. Um and so, and I also think it's the age of people at the at the publications. We're old. We liked a certain thing when we were nineteen or twenty. Now we're working in a position where we can write about it, and so people are. Um. Mm. <laughs> That's actually funny that you say that because I think a, a part of it. I mean, not that not that I don't, but not that you aren't right. I do think a big part of it too is that there's also younger writers now, who I mean, like I said to me, like like my. You know, my entry band was Blink-182. I totally agree with you because I'm in the middle. I loved Cheshire Cat and the first record, but then after a while, it was on MTV and Fuse all fucking day. I couldn't stand them. Uh, so it's like you can kind of see where, yeah, it's definitely in the middle. Um, and it's definitely great for the bands. Oh, I, I, I just know that a lot of people in my generation, like, I mean, I'm in my 20s. A lot of people I know in their 20s, that is like what got most of all of them into alternative music. You know, I mean, like when when I was growing up, like a band like Brand New or Taking Back Sunday, like that was alternative. You know, like that wasn't mainstream. Like, like the idea that emo is mainstream, that idea is what got all these bands ignored by a place like you know Pitchfork or NPR or something. Like because of the idea that like a My Chemical Romance or a Fall Boy is mainstream, then you would just completely ignore the whole scene and never find like you know, like foxing or something. Um, but I think, you know, before that, like to me, like, like it's a brand new, it was like a huge example of an alternative band. Like, you know, when I was, when that was coming out, like I wasn't listening to like, um, you know, like the microphones or something, you know, like um, it was mostly emo and pop punk and punk and hardcore and stuff. Um and like you know, the mainstream stuff would have been rap or like you know, like dance pop. Like you know, the but the other kids in my school, you know, who had no interest in underground music, like they would make fun of you if you listen to any sort of rock band, unless it was like you know, super bro rock, like Nickelback or something. Um, that would be like you know, like any any of those bands, like those Victory Records bands or Drive Through bands, that was considered underground, just like in you know, relatively speaking. Um, so I think that's a big part of it is that there are people like in their 20s writing about music now who like got into a band like Wolf Parade or like, you know, like Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, or like whatever was like the coolest indie rock bands of the mid-2000s or something, got into that like because they were taking back Sunday and stuff like that. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think it is, it's interesting to kind of see the ages of people and what they're writing about. And even, even younger, even younger, if it's Buzzfeed, you know, it's like that kid's right out of college and he has access to this site that spews out garbage. Um, and some of those things are sort of taken, um, farther, um, be it a band or, um, a genre or something. So it is, it is interesting to see how quickly things go now where it doesn't need to be someone that's, it doesn't need to be a gatekeeper anymore. It could be anybody. What are your, what are your sort of thoughts on it right now? I mean, it's such a vibrant thing. There's great labels, there's great bands, there's touring. Um, 
do you feel there'll be a band that'll <clears throat> just break it break out of it and be not necessarily a hit because that's such a weird term but a one yeah. it not necessarily from the genre but just a band in general from this group of bands that are happening right now is there one that's going to do it or you feel like it's it's just going to be a thing and kind of morph another way it's weird to think about like i thought about it before you know i'm like like is emo gonna is it gonna do it all over again you know because like like i was too young to experience like american football and mineral and promise rings firsthand i got into all those things after they broke up um and uh and that's you know i was i kind of like like my my like intro into emo just like so you could see where i'm Probably like in the Eat World, taking that Sunday, brand new Thursday, like the 2001, 2002 kind of albums then. Um, and then I went back, like, because I was like, this is all the cool words. And so I'm like, oh, wow, like, they all like this band called Sunday Day Real Estate. You know, I'm going to buy that album too, you know, and like, and so I like, so my, so I didn't experience the late 90s firsthand, but what I've read online, like, I just read your interview with Mike Kinsella. And he just seemed so blown away that anyone would like American football. Um, and, and that's how it feels now. Like, I feel like all these bands would be just blown away if in 15 years they were playing three nights at Webster Hall all folks out. I would be blown away. Like, I don't see any of them as, like, a band with any kind of mainstream crossover potential. I think it's mainstream potential, like all, all the big bands that I think are breaking the mainstream out of what you might call indie, I feel like are already pop in a way. Like all all the bands that have really just skyrocketed out of just from indie dom to pop dom, like has been these bands like Crime and Churches and these bands that like I would call synth pop or something. I wouldn't be not even surprised that they are popular, you know. Um, and that is the indie to pop like thing right now in my mind. Um, but maybe, like, I guess if I had to guess, my guess is it would just be, like, that completely random thing that no one saw coming. You know, the way that, like, that, like, My Chemical Romance became sort of the biggest emo band of the 2000s. And, like, I mean, I was personally never a fan of them. And when I first heard them, I was kind of, like, almost already over it. Um, I was, like, Thursday did this better and, like, less makeup. Um and then it's so weird, you know, that they got absolutely bigger than Thursday. Like, I would have never thought that if you would have told me when they first came out, this band was bigger than Thursday. Um, so, I mean, like, if it does happen, it's probably going to be just, like, someone... It's not, I don't think it's going to be the most beloved band, is what I mean to say. Yeah, no, you're right. It's the, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the band that copies the band that did it really well that gets popular. Yeah. <laughs> So that'll happen again. So someone's going to copy Foxing and then be really big. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, too, that if, even just a few years ago, every, you know, if it was Live Nation or Golden Voice or all those booking places, and even the booking agents were putting these packages together, and all the shows were all the same band, all the same genre, like, you're going to get... You're gonna get Screamo tonight, you know, and it's five or six bands, yeah. and I think I think it wore people out because 
you couldn't you couldn't disseminate between each of the bands because you each had the breakdown at one minute and ten seconds. All your merch was looking the same. Like when you have, I think kids. Like I think it's fine if like look I don't just listen to emo like I love metal mm-hmm. I love blues like it just I happen to love this a lot and I think kids are like that too and people they want to like different things and I that's what I loved about those hardcore shows because it was a post band there was like an emo band on the bill and you kind of got different feelings and that's what's so great about right now is because it is different and that's what I think they the bands of today took. They didn't take the mid two thousands where it all kind of sounded the same. They really went back a little further, and I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. But I feel like it took a little, it took a minute for them to kind of leapfrog that and be like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's more fun." <laughs> yeah, like, no, I want, I, like, I want to play with a punk band. I want to play with a pop punk band too, and a hardcore band. <laughs> I definitely agree. I mean, I, in my opinion, the way the whole emo revival started. I mean, I think with bands like Algernon Cadwalder and Snowing and stuff, so I think made these really, really intentional moves to be like, we're going to forget the last decade of emo and sound like Captain Jazz and Braid. You know, like, and I, I think like, I don't dislike those bands. I think they were they're fun to see live. I don't think they brought anything original to the table, um, but I think they were like these necessary bands. Like they had to happen. And it almost makes sense that they're broken up now that the thing is blown up huge, because I see them as like these really important transition bands where like they had to go back to strictly playing cap and jazz grade style music. So you could get a band like the world's a beautiful place to take a lot of those elements and put way more into it and make something really original at this point in time where like nobody was really ready for original emo yet, you know, because there's a, any ties to a, that mainstream eyeliner scene of the mid 2000s, any signs of that at all, people would just turn away. Yeah. That's interesting. What other bands do you think were there at that time? I mean, I remember all those, but I'm just, I'm like, I'd love to hear your sort of, was it, and it was snowing. Like, it like was three, the big break period. Yeah. I mean, like there was like, I mean, actually like the world is kind of was a band around then too. Um, but like everyone everywhere in 1994 and Casavet. And I mean, also like those bands, I think are really specifically the sort of math rock style Captain Jazz thing. Like, I mean, did you find it funny that they, did you find it funny that everybody copied, copied Captain Jazz? Because I was like, why wouldn't you copy the promise ring? Why wouldn't you copy, you know, sunny day or or mineral? Like Captain Jazz, like I, like I have the Captain Jazz record. I love them. I love all the connections to it, but it just, it wasn't, it, it, I don't know. Like it wasn't like the most amazing emo band ever. Oh, I 100% agree. I think it's really awesome to hear you say that. I think more people need to say that. I mean, the whole reason that actually it took me a while to fully love the new stuff. Cause like I saw Algernon and snowing when they were around. Um, and I didn't love it. Like I was like, it's all right. Um, but like for me, I was like, you should copy like Mineral and Promise Ring and Sunny Day. And like those I thought were way better bands than Captain Jazz. And well, I mean, I like American football more than Captain Jazz and like maybe even Owls um, more than Captain Jazz. I mean, and, um, and Mike and Mike would agree with you because yeah. like they were figuring it out. They were just like, kids like it was just it i was like why is everyone copying cap and jazz like can someone fucking put a hook in there <laughs> i totally agree and i think that's part of why it, 
it started, you know, to become, you know, better. <laughs> like, because I think, like, there's, have you heard that band Courtesy Drop? Yeah, they're fucking great. Yeah, they remind me of, like, Knapsack, The Promise Ring, you know, and I was like, hell yeah, like, bring on the Knapsack and Promise Ring revival. Like, I, and then I Balance like, and Composure. Balance and Composure brings the post a little bit to it, and they, they wrote a ridiculous record that's, you know, I think that song Reflection is like, you know, that is like a radio song if in in oh, yeah. in, in in the right time and place. It would have been in 03, I think. Like they they remind me a lot of like like Dejan Tandu era brand new. And like and even like a little bit of that late nineties grunge in there too. And I think one of the greatest things about this scene is everyone involved in it, I just feel like I get enthusiasm from them. Like um, it's the reason you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about music again, partly yeah, because me, of no, everybody's like, absolutely. Like I, like I, you know, like, especially as like Brooklyn Vegan is very much like I would say, you know, mainly in the indie rock world where at least was at one point for, I mean, there was so many things, but you know, like uh, if I had to generalize Brooklyn Vegan is the indie rock world. Um, and so being there for a while and really immersing myself in that scene, I just very quickly found how jaded everybody is with it and how, like, it's almost cool to be bored, cool to be apathetic, cool when your lyrics don't mean anything and make any sense, and when your band has no stage presence, you know what drugs are. And that just all, that just kept hitting me at once. I would go to these shows and it'd just be people staring at their phones and, and as if I'm just, like, Instagramming themselves, like, showing off where they were. And it, you know, it really started to just make me feel weird about music. I was like, this is not how I grew up. I grew up going to like these sick shows that were like thrown in these VFW halls and everyone was super into it. And why is everyone like, these are like the people who sort of mocked me for liking that. And it's just weird. And then all of a sudden, like I go to like, say like that Foxing show and the whole crowd knows all the words. The record's been out for a few months. You know, and just like, and there's all these people who like, they get there early. The venue is packed for the opener. Like you don't see that at like, uh, you know, other scenes of music. I don't I, I feel like every show I go to in less closely knit, less like smaller scenes like this, the opener is just played for nobody. And it's unfortunate. And like, not only are these fans there and the fans of the word, but the bands are all friends and they've all, played together and they help each other out with like the little venues in their towns and it like it feels to me like this is the current version of like whatever the DIY punk circuit was like in the original days like you know like like I you know I wasn't there for Minor Threat but I've read a lot about it and the way that like Minor Threat became friends with Black Flag and they and they helped all the DC bands in like you know California and vice versa like that's what it feels like when you get like you know like the world is and foxing and like and all these bands like it, I feel like they're doing like that original punk mentality of like we're all in this together and no one really likes us but the people who do really like us. I I I think that's a really good point that I haven't thought about is that it is it is reminding me of that and it is the only difference is there's some Instagram internet it's faster. And the bands are connecting, you know, you're able to kind of connect a lot quicker. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it, it isn't a letter. It's not a tour date. It's a Facebook message and a Bandcamp account, and you're sort of friends with them or you, you connect with them based on music. I mean, I've met so many bands through the site instantly um, that have either 
found about the site and talked to me, send me their band and I'm instantly friends with them. Um, you know, and I think it is, it, it does have that feel still. And you're totally right. Like these bands are all friends and yeah, there's one of them's going to get big and there's going to be a beef and whatever it is. But this cycle right now, right at this moment, it still feels good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like in every, like, I don't feel like, I mean, definitely this scene, I think, is more prone than other scenes to, like you said before, like package tours. But it doesn't feel like it's calculated as, like, what you were saying before, like a live nation kind of thing. You know, like, here's five screamo fans. Welcome to the Watch Up Evil Podcast. Today we welcome uh, editor writer Ian Cohen of Pitchfork.com. Uh, Ian and I met through an unconditional love for Jimmy Eat World. And what better place than here to discuss all things emo than the Washed Up Emo Podcast? So, Ian, welcome to the trust tree of Enig, Simpson, and Adkins. How's it doing? I feel very welcome. Thanks. I mean, yeah, you know, I think about, uh, you know, writer, the writers that, like, you know, the bigger publications, you know, myself, like Kyle McGovern at Spin, um, you know, the guys at the AV Club or whatever. Um, you know, it, it, it's, we were in a position, like, you know, in 2010, I was not a contributing editor at Pitchfork. I was, you know, a staff guy. And, you know, it's, you know, for it's it's just a combination of factors, such as, you know, the music is so much stronger now. Uh, you know, bands improve quickly. I mean, that's been the case with a lot, you know, emo bands who make it to their second record uh, tend, to, tend to get, you know, better. I mean, like, you look at the leap that Brand New made, uh, you look at the leap that Jimmy World made from, you know, Static Prevails to uh, Clarity. Uh, you know, there's just a couple of examples, and you're seeing it, you know, happen again because, um, you know, these bands all work together and inspire themselves, you know, inspire each other. And, uh, you know, these bands like start young very often. And, uh, right now we're seeing like a lot of bands who, you know, were kind of, you know, bubbling under in 2010, you know, towards the, towards the tail end when, you know, band, when, um, I guess what people consider to be like hot topic emo or whatever, um, you know, it's just the combination of like bands, making stronger music, writers who are in a position right now where they have a platform uh, to talk about them. And, you know, it, it's it's something that wasn't planned. I mean, like, you know, people will say that, you know, this, like, I mean, let, let, why don't we ask Top Shelf Records, you know, if they were selling more in 2010 than they are now. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a combination of things. But I think when we look back from 2004 through 2008 or whatever, like 
the way I've always thought about it is, um, you know, I think about it like this, you know, most people say it's like the hair metal period or whatever of that. Um, for me, I think it, it it's sort of like, um, I think a, maybe a better comparison is like the shiny suit era of hip hop. Like, um, you know, I think there are a lot of similarities with, you know, the music that Fallout Boy, Panic Disco made in hip hop. I mean, they chase that association by having Jay-Z, but I think, you know, as, as a hip hop fan, you know, personally, like I look back at, you know, all the purists who said, you know, stuff like Biggie and like, you know, Puffy and Mace and like, you know, Rough Riders and all that. Like, yeah, it, so it didn't have a lot in common with like, you know, the old school, like pure, you know, the real, the real hip hop, whatever. But all the same, it got like a, a lot of young people uh, into the genre. And once they found that stuff, they were able to get like deeper and like find the roots of it. And so, you know, I think in a lot of ways, like bands like, you know, Taking Back Sunday or, you know, Fall Out Boy or Panic, who got on MTV, um, you know, like if that gets people to read alternative press or absolute punk or whatever, like maybe that's like the entry point. That's the crossover. And, you know, from those bands, you can find out about, uh, you know, Captain Jazz or, you know, whatever roots type stuff we're, you know, we're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't, I don't think anyone's wrong in telling the story. I mean, like, yeah, it did go underground, um, in between 2004 and 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, it did, you know, there was, uh, you know, some, there was stuff going on. Um, but, you know, at the time, like, if we're talking about, you know, well, where, where, where was Pitchfork or where was Spin or where was the AV Club? I mean, like, you know, most of these bands, like, really weren't ready for any sort of, like, public, um, you know, any sort of, like, you know, big sort of press push. So, um, you know, it's just it's just about, like, I it, mean, it, it, it's weird because, like, it, it, it moves to me in a, in a fashion similar to hip-hop, not where everything is, like, cyclical, but, like, in a sense that, um, you know, it it's very fluid and it keeps moving and it's so vague that, yeah, there's always going to be like, you know, real like classicist style stuff, but there's, you know, always going to be bands who learn things from, you know, taking back Sunday and panic at the disco and Captain jazz. I mean, you look at a band like, you know, you blew it. Um, I, I think they call their style of music 1999. And, you know, those are the years that, um, you know, that's when, you know, Clarity came out. And that's also when, um, I believe, you know, How It Feels to Be Something On came out as well. And also, you know, Get Up Kids, uh, you know, So You Can Write Home About. I mean, those are all completely different records. Um, but, you know, they have learned, you know, like good modernists how to fuse all that stuff together. So, um, you know, it is, you know, so the new bands that are here today, it's like, they, you know, much like a lot of the rappers that you hear have learned to, you know, really kind of use certain regions and certain styles. So, um, you know, it's, I think it's just, it's like hip hop and that's, it's not like rock music, I guess, where, you know, it, it's more cyclical, you know, where you have like the new rock revolution, then like you just go back into grunge again or like rap rock. So, um, it's been interesting, but I think in all ways, it, it, it reached a peak in 2013 where, um, you know, it was just ready to be, like, acknowledged by, you know, bigger, more outside 
you know, more outside the alternative press, absolute punk world. Why then? Why then? Now is there a negative connotation? Not negative, but I just feel like now everyone doesn't want to say the word emo revival. Don't the hashtag is now a joke? <laughs> just like, just like emo was a joke, and it and it, yeah. and it went away again. And now there's a term to it when you know, whatever it was called, Twinkle Core, whatever the fuck that was called. Yeah, all that shit, which I was, I had no clue what (laughs) that, I was so old, I had no, I was so, no clueless on that. But now, that word even is a joke. There's back and forth between publications, there's Twitter feuds, there's people saying it needs to stop, people seeing it, or I, I said it first, I didn't. It's, it's it's music. It's yes, it sounds like it. I I guess it's just a term that's just going to be attached to this time period. But why is it now a dirty word again when it was supposed um, to be something I mean, it's a, positive? It's, well, I mean, I think for a long time it's always been a dirty word because, like, unlike hip hop, like you don't have like a five elements of emo. You don't have like the idea that it was you know like a social and cultural rebellion or whatever. Like, um, even if there was a certain aspect of it, you know, even if, like, you know, the early guys, like, you know, Right to Spring or Embrace or Fugazi or whatever, like, say, like, this is a stupid fucking term. Um, I think in in some ways, um, the problem, well, first off, I think people have a problem with the word revival because um, I, I think it's, I don't think people are, you know, in the wrong for using it. I don't think they're doing it with, like, bad intent. I do think it's more of like a renaissance or like a reclamation or what have you. But um, as far as the word emo goes, I mean, like in in some ways it's because it's still embarrassing to, you know, just just the word itself, the way it sounds is embarrassing to people. And I think with bands, um, you know, they've seen for a long time that um, it can really just kind of put you in this, in, in 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 this kind of ghetto, like you know, this proverbial ghetto, where you know they've seen that you know for a long time, uh, most you know most publications, whether it's Spin, whether it's Rolling Stone, whether it's Pitchfork, uh, whether it's any, that emo is like a four-letter word. It's like you know that stuff does not get covered. Um, it's seen as you know, childish. It's seen as yeah, not 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 respectable. Yeah, it's like, you know, and, you know, even back, like, even back in 2001, I mean, like, I I hear about it to this day where it's like, uh, you know, stuff that precedes me being at the publication by, like, seven years. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, like, I we probably did drop, like, a three on, like, Bleed American or whatever. But um, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like, bands understand that um, to be indie rock is probably a lot more profitable you know, than emo. I mean, like, look, I think a lot of bands will identify, like, they'll say it, that's the stuff I was into. But, you know, it, it's it's got just so much baggage because, you know, because even when it was, um, you know, there there really wasn't ever a time when, um, you know, the, fun, the just the funny thing when I think about it right now is um, you look at like all the revi- like any revival or what have you that took place, you know, in the past five years or whatever, whether we're talking about like freak folk or, uh, you know, like post punk or like dance punk or whatever, like those at all at one time 
were all like those were cool at certain point. And then, you know, just because some other thing kind of took over, like, you know, it's like post-punk was always cool, but you know, you get like a certain number of bands in like 2000, 2001 or whatever, who, you know, sound like that again. Uh, same with like, you know, like gang of four was cool. And when block party and, you know, Maximo park and like all those bands came about, it was cool again. But, um, you know, emo was never, um, you know, emo was never co-signed by critics. Uh, it was never a, um, considered to be like very influential on like a lot of like any sort of bands that were considered cool. Um, you know, it was just seen as like a curiosity. And even when it did have its moment, um, as you know, when it was, you know, like, I, I believe in 2001, there was like an article that spin ran. It's like, are you emo? It was like, kind of like a funny, like fake quiz. You know, the bands at that time were like, you know, dashboard confessional and, you know, Jimmy world. And, you know, later on, like brand new and, um, whatever. And, you know, for for a lot of people, a lot of, you know, casemakers or whatever, it's like that music, well, for one thing, it's not cool. It never attempted to be, but, and, you know, a lot of people, it was something that you grew out of. You know, it's like you could love Dashboard Confessional to your fucking heart's content when you were 16 or whatever, and, you know, let Chris Caraba sing your pain about, you know, having the girl ignore you or whatever, but, like, it's seen as music that, you know, you grow out of, and which um, which is unlike any other genre I can think of. I mean, like even you know, not even not even teen pop. I mean, you'll find plenty of people in my in my position who you know that's their gig. Like they listen to teen pop, and you know that's because there's like I don't know, like more truth to it, or be because you know there's the aspect of it um, being product you know, it acknowledging its own uh, stance and being product. So, you know, I, I, if you're a, if you're a band that's coming up to in the, it today, like, you know, it, it, where you're like, I don't know, like you blew it or, um, you know, the world is a beautiful place or whatever, like, you know, to some extent, like it, you know, to identify as emo will, you'll find people who like, yeah, like to me, it's like, fuck, I've been looking for shit like this for fucking years that's great, you know, but me, um, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm a minority in that sense. And, you know, these bands themselves, it's like, if you, you know, if, if you're an emo band or whatever, it's like, maybe you don't, like, you probably don't get looked at for, you know, certain festivals like Coachella or, I mean, you know, obviously these bands are probably a long way away from that, but, um, you know, you don't get looked at by the same you're by the same publications. You don't get looked at by the same festivals. You don't get booked by, you know, the same venues. You don't, you know, get looked at by the same PR people. What about if like, what about if that, that shit period didn't happen? What if I call it the hair metal, you call it, you know, another thing. What if that, yeah. What if that didn't happen? What if it, it, what if it, what if it just progressed? Because when I first got into it, it was, no one was talking about it. There were small zines. It was a small community. Everyone was, you know, helping each other. And, you know, yes, most of the bands that I talked to each time I asked them, Hey, what did you think about when you first heard that word? It was always like, what? Like they were all kind of confused and it was sort of just something that got attached to it. But what if that word sort of didn't have the pop, 
time, like the pop punk, which I, I consider a lot of those bands pop punk, what if it didn't have that phase to it and kept going? Would it would it have changed? Would would the perception have been different and it wouldn't have had it because I still I still feel every time there's an article about it, there's a snicker. There's there's yeah. there's a laugh. There's a I'm gonna I'm gonna write this article because I get to make a dashboard confessional joke. I can make a Fallout Boy joke. I can make fun. I can reference Sunny Day and Mineral. I can I can it, it all like all those things seem when in in earnest that that music was really it it did mean something and it was serious. It wasn't it was you know it and that joke part from 2004 just was like this you know big videos and girls and you know tour buses and it just it just seemed to that is what people are still holding on to when they're when I, they're writing this stuff i i think yeah i think there is like a certain um i think a certain um when, when people write about this stuff there, there's maybe like an obligation to mention like the reason that you know, a so-called like revival or reclamation or whatever was happening in the first place is because, you know, there was that period. And, you know, I, like, look, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in my field who, you know, love Fallout Boy, um, who are really into like Paramore or whatever. But, you know, that being said, um, you know, you look at, I think that, you know, like emo stock being like even more so than hip hop, like stop being like a term which defined the style of music. And, you know, it became like, you know, the swoop haircuts and like the, you know, the white belts and hot topic and things like that. And, you know, I think that, um, uh, if that period didn't happen, um, I don't know. It's tough. To, it's tough to say, but like, I think that, you know, certain bands, um, especially bands are, you know, bands are savvy nowadays where, you know, they see all, like all this stuff happening in real time. Like, you know, they know, they see their own press, they see, uh, what's happening. And, you know, there, there's a sense that for a lot of people that, you know, the word, the word emo makes you think of like, uh, my chemical romance, even though like my chemical romance is like, I don't know, like maybe more of like a pop metal band or whatever. But like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think, you know, it's even people like myself, like for, you know, during the, during the fuel by ramen days or whatever, like, you know, it, I think there was a lot, you know, a lot of qualities that I should have been into with those bands, but it just didn't connect with me. And like, you know, when I tried to find bands who, um, you know, who, who if not sounded like Sunny Day Real Estate, you know, carried on in that sort of style or whatever where it wasn't you know um you know it, where yeah you know, and you know to to my discredit it's like you know you just you, you end up being like you know that kind of old grumpy guy like oh you know it's not like it used to be or whatever but you know it's it, it, it was music that as someone who was in you know their mid-20s it was just like really hard to connect with and um and i think bands these days you know they're super duper careful about you know, whether or not they want to identify as emo because, you know, for a lot of people like, you know, who aren't us, who aren't on this podcast, who could be, you know, very well versed in um, pretty much all genres of music, like, you know, you can, you don't have to be versed on, you know, emo. As far as you know, like, that shit is still like, you know, 
whoever you see on the cover, you know, no offense to alternative press, but like, you know, you see a band, you know, you, you would take a look at that and, you know, you, you know, there's still like plenty of like bands who have the kind of guy liner look and like, you know, have the backward hats and wear shorts on stage or whatever, you know, you still think of it as being that sort of, um, thing that is marginalized to, you know, white dudes from Florida who are 17 years old and, um, you know, and yeah, you just don't want to be associated with that because I mean, in, in, in some, which is strange because if you really look, if you really look at it, like the bands who, um, who like are sustaining, like, you know, uh, on the ground success, like kind of a brick and mortar sort of success, whether we're talking about like record sales or we're talking about like being able to tour or whatever, I mean, those are like the those are like the fucking punk bands. Those are like the you know those are like the Warp Tour bands. I mean, like people like get are uh, you know compared to like you know what some indie bands are doing. I mean, like let's let's be real here. I mean, like you know we you know I don't think you know like most of these publications you know aren't covering like let's say the Wonder Years who aren't really emo. I mean, I guess that you most people consider them pop punk, but like which might as well be emo, you know, as far as most people are concerned. And like, I mean, you look at the kind of event, but it's like, but it's not the venues that like, you know, indie bands go to. It's like the one, you know, it's not the one, you know, they don't play in LA, they play in like maybe Orange County or whatever. And yeah, Pomona. And, um, you know, it's like, I, you know, it's, it's like, for me, it's just like fascinating to, you know, see this stuff because, you know, you, you, I mean, like, especially in my world, when you're talking about like what you want to, what most people would consider to be like more, uh, like a typically indie publication, like an indie rock publication, like, um, you know, like, you know, when, like when we ran something on balance and composure, I mean, this is a band who like they debuted at what, like something like number 35 on billboard or whatever. And like, you know, that, you know, when we ran, um, when we ran, um, you know, something on uh, that song Reflection, I mean, like, it just blew the fuck up. Like, no one could anticipate, I mean, we didn't, you know, it, no one could anticipate that. I mean, maybe you could, but it was just like people were, you know, I think a lot of people in, you know, not just our own publication, but like other ones, like, noticed, like, you know, this is, and this is like, there's like this whole, marginalized not maybe not even marginalized but just like kind of this this crowd that is being ignored by all publications and i mean i it's not just you know i'm not just talking about pitchfork like let's let me just you know state that right now like i mean when i mean it's rock music as a whole but um you know you look at uh you there's like you know the people there's people who um who, you know, the people who listen to this music uh, aren't, weren't really being engaged by any, um, you know, by any, by any larger, you know, I mean, it wasn't getting covered in Rolling Stone either. I don't like, it wasn't being covered by Pace magazine. It wasn't like, you know, and all of a sudden it's like this weird sort of, and, you know, that's why there's a lot of uneasiness, I think, uh, is because, you know, like, there, there's this idea that, um, especially if like you're, you know, let's suppose you're someone who, you know, kind of orbits around the whole, like, you know, all press, like absolute punk, 
um, that sort of world. And all of a sudden you see, like, you know, at the AV club or, you know, Pitchfork or whatever covering these bands, it's like, wait a minute, you you know, what what the fuck is going on here? It's like, uh, what? why are you encroaching, like, you never really cared before, um, you know, which is, you know, which is not true. I mean, it's not really true, but, you know, there's a difference between writing for, like, a national publication with, like, you know, uh, you know, editors and, like, uh, a huge staff as opposed to just, like, writing your own blog. I mean, like, look, if I, if I were just some dude on a blog, yeah, I could probably, you know, throughout 2010, like, I could write about fucking Thursday records until, you know, my heart's content, but, um... Welcome to Watch Up Emo. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it was, it was, I remember 2010, and, you know, someone mentioning to me, hey, Tom, there's this band that sounds like Mineral, and they're from this country, like, what? People are making (laughs) that music again? People are sounding like that again? And then it started to sort of, you know, snowball, and then you hear about the labels, or you start seeing one band, and then this venue opens. It just—it felt so orga- organic. And when I when I spoke to uh, Kevin from Top Shelf about all this, I mean, the way that his stuff sort of happened and in, in that growth, it felt like the mid '90s. Yes, there was yeah. internet. Yes, there was you know a lot more communication about things, but it felt that same way or it was organically done it wasn't like everyone got in a room and you got 10 writers together and you started hey let's let, let's make an emo song you know you didn't have uh, um, Luke uh, you know some uh, Dr. Luke with you you know it was just you guys in a room making music and you kind of looked back um, and that's the I mean you make really good points about yeah it's like you you know when I saw the pitchfork you know you guys writing about these bands and stuff I got psyched I was like good you know, these bands are good. These bands are good enough to be there, and it does deserve this. And and everyone's now like trying to take it back. And I'm just like, can you let it go? Can you can you can you let Kevin from Top Shelf live like in a really nice house? Like, can you like let let this happen? Let these bands become big because then we get to see them every year, like we do Jimmy Eat World. What if I know. what if Bleed American didn't break? Would they still be a band? I don't know. You know, maybe they, maybe they would, but every time I see them and there's a frat guy next to me being a fucking idiot, I don't care because they're still around and they're still playing. I feel that about the, the coverage today is a part of helping these bands go. And isn't that what you want? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and if, if, you know, if like, uh, like, uh, let me just like, you know, put that out there right now. Like if, 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 you know, this part should stay in, it's like, I can guarantee you there are not not a single writer who writes about this stuff. Not me, not Kyle, not any of the guys at the AV Club, not uh, anyone at Property of Zach, not anyone anywhere. Like BuzzFeed, Stereo, like you know, Stereo Gum, not NPR, Lior, not one. <laughs> yeah, not one. Not one fucking person who writes about this stuff is doing so because they think it'll make them look cool. As a matter of fact, if you write about this stuff, you're putting your ass on the line out there. Like, well, that's I mean, what I figured with you. I was like, holy shit, someone's writing about this on the, you know, the, the if if I had a if I had a dollar for every time your website's mentioned in my office, I would be I would have lunch money for a very long time. So it's like, yeah, it's like you're you're putting your neck out on the line 
for these artists and for these songs as a song. And you then, it's almost like you're defending before you even start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, it's like no one, like, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, if, if, if nothing else, I mean, like, we, you know, and the fact is we're excited to talk about this stuff as well. You know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, people say it's like, you know, you're just like kind of, I mean, like, look, I don't know what it does for, like, fucking traffic. I fucking, like, look, if it was all about, like, what traffic, you know, if it was all about what traffic we could get, like, trust me, we'd probably post much, much more about, like, uh, I don't know, like, fucking Katy Perry or, like, Nine Inch, like, Nine Inch Nails or whatever. Like, if we wanted the most traffic possible, I'm sure we would post about, like, Nine Inch Nails every single fucking day. But, um, you know, it's just, like, you know, it, it, it's obvious that, like, just when people are uncomfortable um and you know like look i mean it's you know they're it, it's funny when people like talk about like you know well you know the money's going to change everything you know <laughs> like you know there's going to be this bubble that's going to burst with emo revival or whatever and it's like that's just so silly because like like what what's happening is like do you see like fucking uh do you see the world's a beautiful place and i'm no longer afraid to die on saturday night live i mean do you see like you know, a bidding war for like you blew it or whatever. I mean, like no offense to those bands or I mean they're, but you know, it's just like it's it's not like uh, it's, not, it's not like um, you know this not, isn't this like, isn't vagrant across America in fucking yeah, seven it, tour buses and you know selling out arenas or not arenas yeah, but selling like, out those big venues like that. This is yeah, not that. I got to see, like, you know, when they come to California, I'm seeing, like, a great big pile of leaves. I'm seeing Intuit over it and the world's beautiful place at the same show. Like, they're fun. Like, it, it's just funny because, like, um, you know, it's like, what's going to, you know, like, there's like, going to be a bubble or whatever. It's like, none of these fans are, like, fucking, like, you know, quote, like, blowing up in the sense, like, where, you know, like, it, all of a sudden you have, like, band, you know, like, you have a band like MGMT, let's say, and, you know, that for a while, that was what, you know, like a, a record label like Columbia would chase after. You know, you want a band that sounds like that. Um, you know, you don't want, like, or nowadays, like, you'll probably hear a lot more bands that, you know, sound like churches or sound like Haim or whatever. Like, no, you know, like, like, you know, especially, like, in my inbox or whatever, when, like, you see what kind of bands, like, PR label, like, PR people and, like, labels are signing. It's like, Dude, it's like they're not like my inbox is not being fucking flooded, you know, from these places with bands that sound like fucking Mineral or like Sunny Day Real Estate. It's like because if they did, you'd be forwarding them to me. <laughs> you know, if if you want to look at a reason why you know people are paying more attention to this style of music, this kind of like music that looks, sounds, and feels like you know, rock music on an independent label, i.e. indie rock, it's because, um, you know, a lot of what's being presented is like indie or whatever is like, you know, it's like fucking R&B or it's like pop music, which, you know, that's fine. Like, you know, I'm not going to say that indie rock had to sound like fucking pavement for like, you know, time eternal, but like, you know, when a lot of people can't find, um, you know, rock music on independent labels to the typical indie channels anymore. And, um, you know, like this, this is filling, you know, I think, um, I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I think it was like in Brooklyn vegan or whatever. 
Um, I can't remember the guy's name who wrote it, um, but it was, you know, he made a really good point and one that I agree with and one I've been saying for a while is that like, you know, pretty much any band that like gets uh, called emo right now, like emo is like indie rock right now. You know, when we talk about like, you know, whether it's going to be like a bubble or, you know, whether it's going to just like kind of, kind of fizzle out the way, you know, other like, you know, post-punk or like, you know, freak folk or like blog house or French touch or whatever did. It's like, um, you know, it's like, there's not a lot of money being pumped into this. Like, you know, it's like, we're not going to be, you know, no, no one's going to be at, no one gets to act surprised if, and when like Joyce Manor, you know, drops their next record or if, and when title fight does, or, you know, all these things. And it's like, okay, you know, like, you know, people like, you know, people, you know, ask like, dude, man, it's like, you know, if you guys were like covering emo all year and you thought like, how come it wasn't on our year end list or whatever, or like it wasn't on anyone else's like, well, you know, first off, like it's really fucking hard to take. It's really fucking hard to make our year end list. Like, uh, it's, it's really fucking hard. Like, uh, yeah, you have to have consensus. Like I'm just like one guy. I, what's going to be interesting is if one of these bands writes that song. Like, Reflection was close. It was big. I think it was it was almost there. But it's going to be interesting if, if one of these bands writes that hit, writes that song that that does take it somewhere else. And if it I happens, think, yeah. awesome. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But that's going to be the interesting point if one of these bands kind of hits gold a little bit. I think so. I think, there, I think that... Um... I, I think that's something that people are worried about is that like, you know, that, you know, that once, once, you know, this whole fucking thing finds that one band to ride or finds that one song that becomes emblematic of, you know, what's happening, um, you know, who knows, who knows what'll happen, but, you know, maybe fucking Sony will swoop in, maybe like, uh, you know, Columbia will swoop in and buy top shelf records and make it like a fucking like cash money, you know, sort of arrangement like that, you know, it's like rap labels or whatever. But, um, you know, you know, it's funny because like a lot of people like, uh, you know, balance and composure like that, that came, that record came so fucking close to being something that, you know, could have been like the color and the shape, you know, the that Foo Fighters record for me. And maybe it will be, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe, like maybe 10 years down the road, like, um, you know, people say like, there'll be like this whole new generation of writers for whom, like that was a definitive document of their youth. And, you know, if it is great, I mean, like, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a 33 year old dude. Like, I, I don't know what the kids would like, I, and I'm not going to try to guess, um, but you know, like that, like balancing composure almost fucking got there to me. It's like, you know, a band like The World is a Beautiful Place. I think it's like there was more uh, attention being paid to this music, like more attention, not less, more attention being paid to this music. Like they could have, you know, who knows? Maybe they could have got like Kimmel fucking. You know, maybe they could have, uh, not Kimmel, but Fallon. Maybe they could have ended up on there. Like maybe there's going to be that one band who 